two. And Pujols heads it out to deep left. At the wall! Gone! 693! 693 home runs! A historic home run! The 449th different pitcher he's hit a home run against. He's tied with Bonds, first all time. Also, his 30th career homer at Wrigley. Six, nine, three. I guess the question is, other than why we're both wearing white shirts, the question is, Albert Pujols, why is he quitting? Why is he coming back for another you year? Would quit, you would quit too. No, I mean, I you quit. Were Albert. But you wouldn't quit if you if you finish with 698, you ain't quit. That's the thing I was going to ask you. It ain't happening. It's not, is it? There's been three it's people not. in the history of the sport, and there's only been one right-handed hitter. To be a right-handed hitter and hit yeah. 700 big know, ones man. with the slider that goes down in a way, with being able to keep the front side in the way he does, with being able to use the entire field to have power line to line, doesn't grow on trees. And if you walk away, the question will be, well, stop looking at my shirt, too. I see you looking at my shirt. <laughs> it's just, I feel like I look at, I'm looking up <laughs> there, and I feel like we should be ordering. We should be working at, you know, Dippy Dots or something, getting well, ice should. cream for people. And white. You should be working at another question. Dippy Why do dots. people who work in ice cream what parlors always dots? wear white and get ice cream all, them, all over their shirt? It just looks like, you know, the one day I once wear again, white, you're the, the one only, day I wear white, you could have worn only, a different color. Once again, you're the only person that goes to get ice cream and wonders to themselves, why does that person wearing a white shirt? You are. You're the only person. So, yeah. yeah. I feel like I, giving I feel like giving you the car keys and saying, go park question, my car. The question yes, is. Yes, go ahead about question, Albert Pujols. You go could, ahead. You couldn't park my car. The question is. Couldn't get that thing out of there. <laughs> I need a tank license that, to drive that. that. That thing you drive, the clown car. Yeah, it's, it's like the Flintstone car. It's, it's not. It's a, it's a Volkswagen. I'm it's worn out after time. I get out of that car because I'm having to. Well, yeah, because you got to run it everywhere we go. <laughs> you got to drive one of those big gut busting, gas guzzling things that are you killing the I environment. You know why I drive that? Why? Because my wife told me to. That's why. Okay. Yeah. The question will be. <clears throat> the question will be. <laughs> will St. Louis play him against righties? Mm. That's the question. He's you know he's hitting against righties 184. And they're going for a. Sitting 184 against Wright. Does, it, does it matter enough for him to get 700? I would think it would. Well, or is it worth it? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's he's hitting, a really he's hitting, good three, he's hitting 398 against lefties. So you know he's going to face and play and pinch hit and every single time against a left handed pitcher. But do you play him a little bit more against right handed pitchers? And these, pitching? Ga- these games matter for. They do. The, the Cardinals. But You're so not does, mailing in. So does 700. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. If it's me, I have to think about it. If if it's me, let's see Let's see where we are with two weeks left in the season. But I, I was thinking about this last night. Like, seriously, if you finish at 698. You have to come back. You do. It's sort of like Fred McGriff, right? You have if, to come if, back. If Fred, if Fred McGriff would have had seven more homers, he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying I'm not saying that Pujols is not already a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but there's I know only what you been mean. three I under guys, three other guys with 700 big ones. No, I, I like 700s a a number that yeah. is there's only three of them, and you could be the fourth one, and then there's everybody else. 
Yeah, so no, it's a, it's, it's a huge deal, and it's kind of cool to watch a, an I older guy. I think it's guy. great. It is. You, I think it's great. Because you've seen him adjust. He's added a leg kick. He's never had a leg kick. So he's been wide and used his hands. You know, he's a little younger. His bat was a little quicker. Now he's trying to generate loft by doing a little back leg city. You know, he's trying to get the bat ball in the air. Yeah. So it's it's kind of cool to watch the greatest right-handed hitter that I've ever seen. Yeah, I think. planet Earth. You know, I, I say Barry Bonds, the greatest hitter ever. But Albert Pujols, man, the things he does and the consistency of his years, it's its unbelievable. It really is. And him being right-handed, can't downplay that. Yeah, the, no. the being right-handed and be able to do what he's doing because of how hard they throw now, and I know he's not the hitter he used to be, but just being able to do it as long as he's been able to do it and almost come close to 700. But the question will be, if he walks away the last day and it's 698, what do you do, Jeff? The uh, Jays had last night off. They will open a three-game series against the Red Sox. Do you think they had tonight. room service or they walked around the town? They probably walked around the town. Although it's Boston. It's all, it's an overrated city. It's like Chicago. It's old and smelly. Uh, the uh, Cardinals You would know something about Pujols. old and smelly. The Cardinals and Pujols beat the Cubs one nothing. Jordan Montgomery, complete game one hit shutout. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice deal nice there. Going. Nice deal there, Yankees. Stay hot. <laughs> um, we mentioned the Jays and the Red Sox will start a three-game series tonight. Ryan Dempster joins us. Tom Karen, he's the Red Sox reporter and host of TC and Company, the podcast uh, to set up the Red Sox series. Brad Lidge joins us. And no, oh. we're not. We're not doing this because Brad Lidge gave up a big home run to uh, Albert Pujols in a playoff game because Ryan Dempster has given up more home runs but to, it just worked out that to way. Albert Pujols than any other pitcher in baseball. That is just a fluke. But it won't stop us from mentioning it to Dempster. No, it will not. Lidge, I won't mention it to. You won't? No. I do want to ask both of them the question that, that we started the show with. What do they do? Why what are we wearing he, white shirts? No, they don't care. Oh. They can't see us. What did they do? What does he do if he doesn't reach 700? He's got to come back, man. You would certainly think so. Has to come back. Let me ask you this. We'll get to the Red Sox in a minute. Who? Red Sox. <laughs> we'll talk about the Yankees and Mets too. That was good, Scherzer. Judge. Six ninety nine. Oh man, six ninety nine. No, no, no. Let me finish. Six ninety nine. Three games left in the season. Who are they facing in their final three games? I haven't looked. Do you groove one for him? No. Give him a meatball? Absolutely not. See, I'm, I do believe you really you do. want to be the person that gave up the seventh, 700th? Who gave up Bonds' last home run? Uh, the lefty. People don't even remember that. No. People remember who gave up. So you're saying it's okay I don't to, think it matter. To, not be, to not be competitive. I say make him earn it. Ah, I'm going to give him my best that. slider and say, you, you can get it. Good luck to Please. you. That's me, and that's what will happen. That's why, you didn't. Me, man. That's why I... you didn't get it down and get it singing or throw off a professional mail. Well, let me just see here. Let, now, now, let me just see here. Let, let me see what their schedule is before you say this. I mean, if it's a game that's going to mean something, then obviously you're not Obviously, you're not going to do it. So you should just under, underhand it. Obviously, you're not going to do it. No, you don't underhand it. But it wouldn't be the first time that, that a pitch has been grooved. Didn't Cal Ripken hit a home run in the All-Star game? You don't think that was grooved? Of course That's it was All-Star game's different than a regular season and you're going for a milestone. Nonsense. Have a sense of history here. Who are they finishing with? Well, you're looking it up. I am looking it up. They're finishing. Okay. 
They got six games against the Pirates to finish the year. Come on. So they, so, Come so on. They don't, so he doesn't have to groove it. They're going to groove him one. Come they'll on. If him, he's sitting at they'll six, give him something to hit. If he's sitting at six ninety nine, they're a bunch of they're a, bunch, the they're a bunch of young kids. They're not going to know how to do that. Throw it down the middle. It's not going to happen. Anyhow, let's talk about the. Uh, and I don't think you'll have six ninety nine. He's going to try to hit the next seven. What's he got? Six ninety three. The next seven. Might be the hardest seven he's going to try and get in his career. Did you watch the Yankees Mets last night? I did. Yes, I watched Scherzer judge. That was pretty uh, good. I, wasn't I, it? I watched Scherzer after giving up a homer off a hater, throw him another hater, <laughs> just to see if he could throw him another hater. And that's that's <laughs> cool. That's what's the greatest thing about baseball is. Yeah, it was, is you, it was you, a great matchup. Well, because Judge Judge was a great through, his kryptonite is like most right-handed hitters who are giant humans. Is the slider down and away in the off-speed pitch that tunnels off the hater. I mean, that's most people's, but especially when you're six seven and and got the limbs and the length and the all the parts that Judge has got, you know, it's I think it's not always the easiest thing to do. But it is cool that how you can throw a guy a certain number of pitches. If you throw one bad pitch with a guy that's having the year that Judge is has, having, how they just normally don't miss those. It's it was really cool to watch. Okay, I'm going to give you this, but you know sooner or later I'm going to give it to you again. What are you going to do with it? It's just cool. It was cool to watch that. Jonathan Lewiska got the save for the Yankees. That, to me, was the most interesting thing in the game. Trying to piece it together. They're going to. They're, it's not uh, they lost Scott. They lost uh, Efros uh, yesterday with an injury. I mean, their their bullpen is a complete it's – a, it's a tire fire right now. And you're right. They are trying to piece it together. Lewiska – I mean, I look at the guys in their bullpen right now. Now, Clay Holmes is apparently coming back. If I look at the guys in the bullpen right now, to me, Loisica is the guy who screams closer out of that group. Maybe. But it just shows you how little trust they have in in some of their guys. Maybe uh, Loisica is a power sinker guy. What do you do with sinkers? You put them in play. Yeah. But Clay but Holmes play, is a power playoff, sinker guy, too. Play, playoff time. You, it's gotta, you, it depends on how much it sinks. And where the sink is, if it's side to side, you put that in play. That's weak contact. If it's got that, what, that 11 to 4 move mm. to it, that's the ones you get swing and miss with. It's a, a boonie all of a sudden. I know he's got a big league in the American League East. He's, he's got a chore now. Yeah, he really does. To try and figure out how to get all this lined up and keep everybody confident and happy. He's going to have to manage. You know, a role as Chapman, you, you would have to figure he's probably not happy about all this. I know he's having a down year, but he's sort of bounced back in, in innings. It's not ninth inning. And now you might ask him to do that in big spots in September and October. How's that going to go? I know it's not, that sounds, okay, you're paying him. He should be able to do whatever you ask him to do, but it's a role as Chapman. Like it's, so there's, and it's standing enough. When he comes back, that they can outbop people in the, in the playoffs. And I, for me, I don't think so. I think they're very right-handed too. I, I know they have some lefties. Ben and Tendy. Now, you watch Ben and Tendy. He is the rare guy that uses his legs to get the bat playing where it needs to be. You saw it last night. Like he, instead of a guy that just basically sets his, like I set my base. I'm, I'm going in the batter's box. I set my base and I let my eyes direct the barrel to where it wants to go. My body does not do that. His body does. If you watch slow-mo from the side of where like if the ball's down, he, he goes down with his lower half instead of his barrel and his eyes directing it where he's standing taller, which is that's elite stuff like that. That allows you to be able to cover quadrants 
up and down and side to side. I mean, that's there's a reason why he's hitting where he's hitting average wise. And and if you can do that, you can hit good pitching. So he's going to be an asset probably late in the season. And and if you're a Yankees fan, deep into October. But is that enough? I mean, DJ LeMahieu is 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 he good enough to say lead off in the in the playoffs and go deep without having a really good bullpen? Cot came on the show. What's the first thing out of his mouth? Would you ask him? You got to have elite bullpens now. So, the uh, good luck, Booney. <laughs> you might see a little bit more of slamming the table. <laughs> the action last night in the American League. You're looking at the impact on the wild card race. Kansas City beat the Chicago White Sox six to four. I do not get the White Sox. I just don't get them. But Kansas City beat them six four. Mentioned the Yankees beat the Mets four two. The Twins lost 2-1 to the Texas Rangers, and the Tampa Bay Rays beat the Angels 2-1. The Angels got four games against Tampa before the they come stink. here. They're a horrible team. They're not good. They they suck. That's, that's why That's why they should have traded Otani. Uh, the Yankees are leading the American League East by eight games. Tampa's eight games behind them. Toronto's eight and a half back of the Yankees in the wild card standings. Houston, the Yankees, and Cleveland, they've got the lead in their divisions. Tampa Bay is half a game up for the top wild card spot. Toronto and Seattle are tied, although the Mariners have played two more games than, sorry, one more game than the Blue Jays. Baltimore is two more games than the Blue Jays. That's right, Jeff. Baltimore's two and a half back. Minnesota's three back. Boston is six back going into that three-game series tonight. Against the uh, the only team I could, I would hear Jays. when you were talking there is, is the Blue Jays. And if you look at the Blue Jays' schedule, which you should, they have 42 games left. Out of those 42, they have 24 against teams that are above 500. But the next 12 games are against the Red Sox, the Angels, the Cubs, and Pittsburgh. If you want to add a little separation, Jeff, mm-hmm. in those next 12 games, you're talking nine and three, eight and four, somewhere in there. I mean. Uh, I would hate to say 10 and 2 because that's a lot to ask because, you know, you're pitching and what are you getting from Barrios to see that back-to-back starts? What do we, and what do we say? Mitch, we, Mitch they, White. And, you know, there's some things there that's a little right. unknown about George Springer, what's happening how there. Many, but, man, those 12 games. How many games they have left total? 42. And what were we saying? 92, 93 wins to make the playoffs? It is. How many wins they got now? They got 65, so they've got to conjure up, let's say, 28 wins to be safe. So you got to go what? 28 and you're looking 28 and 14. Yeah. I, I, I again, nah, don't, don't, I don't get, don't, math can't be wrong. don't get big. Don't get big when it comes to 28 and whatever you just said, think small sample size. And if you're thinking 42 games left, forget about that 24 against teams that are above 500. Cause we know what their record is against that. You got to play complete games against those teams. Now, Barrios will help, you know, if he's getting frisky in the next start, and giving you some length and some quality, that's that's a step in the right direction. But it's those 12 games, Jeff, right here. Like, you look at parts of the schedule, and a lot of people do. And I don't a lot of the times because it's a marathon, and most of the guys on the team, it's very individual. It's how you feel. It's mechanics. It's, you know, you're having some doubt in one part of your game. So they don't look at a ton of the schedule. But, man, if you're John Snyder, and you're even Pete Walker, you're thinking to yourself, what's a good time to get a bunch of guys healthy when it comes to mindset? Well, the Red Sox would help. The Angels would help. The Cubbies would surely help. And Pittsburgh. Cubbies are playing a little better now. Uh, they're not as good as the Blue Jays. No. 
The Angels, though. Uh, Otani, I would say, would pitch one of those games, so you're going to have to battle. Yeah, well, you're, that. you're facing – you already know. You're, it looks like you're facing Otani on Saturday. Uh, that much you do know if you're the Blue Jays. The uh, probables are not official for the Boston series. It could be Stripling, Barrios, and Gossam. We do know that Josh Winkowski is expected to start tonight. Nathan Uvalde's been pushed back uh, because of a trap injury, so it'll be it, – it could very well be Winkowski – Rich Hill and Cutter Crawford uh, against the Blue Jays. Although, again, those are uh, those are unofficial. Is anything on that sheet of paper tells you Springer's playing? <laughs> Jesus, who knows, man? Yeah, who knows? Depends on how that knee is. <laughs> Depends. On I how mean, it's hard for us to laugh and make fun at that because no, we really we're not laughing. Know, it's just that there's no. We, we know can... it's not a knee injury. Tell us what it is. Actually, I shouldn't say that. We're trying. We went back and tried to figure out where he hurt his knee. I, I, now it's possible. It's possible. You know that one pitch. It was the first, first pitch. The very first swing of the first at bat off of Frankie Montas, yeah, yeah. and then he gets five hits. Maybe he and re- is running all over well, the bases. Yeah. Like maybe, I guess. Maybe he wrenched his knee at some. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. The elbow is the issue that we would certainly that, think that so. You we, would certainly that we've think been that's talking it. about. I hope I hope we're not looking at a knee and an elbow right now, because at that point you're getting, you know, it's like uh, you know that game operation where you had to pull the bones out and all that without touching the side. It's almost like it's almost that? like I was really good at that. I could do blindfolded, dude. I could do it easily blindfolded. But it's almost like we uh, I could. It's almost it's almost like you should have George Springer take in that operation ner- game and take the you take know. some settling nerves to do that. And the way I know you, yeah, that I would was, find it hard to believe well, that you could do that with your eyes closed. It's like back in the day, not now. I mean, I'm talking. You know, it's oh, not like a, you I, were a finished product back then. So what you're saying, like well, you were, not, you were, uh, you were in your prime. No, it's not like I play operation. In, you know, I've played it in the last three three weeks. I mean, I'm talking back when I was like. 14, 13, 14. Hmm. That's a good, that's a good question. You've never had as much fun. If you've ever played Operation Stoned, it is like the best thing on the planet. I've never done that. Anyhow. Uh, that, that's, that's a good question for the, for the Barker's Backleg Bits. What? What, 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 what do fans want to see the Jays go in those 12 games? What do they want? Well, you know the fans. Well, you're not going to say 12 and no. Don't be, be realistic here. But with how many games they got left, what would you like to see them go? And what do you think it would take for them to go that? So if you say 10 and 2, tell us why. Burrios, all right. Springer's playing all 12. <laughs> DMs are open, by the way. SN Jeff Blair's a Twitter handle uh, for Barker's Back Lake Bits. Barker wants to know, what is it going to take in those 12 games? Because you could add some separation there. This would be a good time. You play well. You start getting frisky offensively. You know, Bo should have better at bats in these games. Like... Uh, yeah. Springer's playing like you know what I'm saying like yeah but both should have better both should have better bats just I know but I, the let, quality of the stuff occasionally will tell just, you if you're chasing let's make a deal just amongst ourselves that we only talk about Bo maybe twice a week because we've already decided it's that kind of year he could very well sure. go over twelve of this series. That, that's that kind so of year. So it's more important to have Springer in the lineup uh, than it would be for. Yeah, Bogus. it's that yeah, kind yeah. of that's year. What you're it's that kind of year. I'm with just you. don't don't worry about Bo anymore. Just as long as he's catching the ball and making defense and running into the odd one. I'm just saying, just it's it's that that type of year. 
And everybody, most players, I shouldn't say everybody, most players have one of those years in their career. If you're going to have it, get get it out of the way early. Unless you're a Hall of Famer. Get it out of the way early. Uh, See, I'm being an optimist here. I'm saying he's getting this out of the way early. I'm also saying the same thing I said with Brios. I believe in the athlete, and I believe in the player. We'll see. Caleb Joseph didn't. He's on my side a little bit when it comes to the Rio saying, let's see it. That's fine. Back it up. It's it's one thing to do it one time. Against the Yankees, the Yankee Stadium. Let's do it. Let's no, I'm just saying, okay, hey, well, if it Finn, was anybody Finn, else. Fenway's the same way, the little short ports and left. Let's see you do it again, All right. okay? All right. I know you made some adjustments. They were nice. You could repeat that delivery now. Now it's just the quality of the tunneling and all the stuff that you want to do with strike one and strike three. And Let's see it. See the Twins turn a triple play yesterday? I did. I, that's Triple plays don't fluke. Like, a lot of, you know, it's a miracle almost. I've seen a couple of them, and, and they're not really memorable. I can't remember. I hate to say it. I can't. I've, I've seen two of them. I know from covering games. I can't tell you one involved Brett Barbary of the Montreal Expos. I do remember that. And I know I saw one, covered one, the Blue Jays turned. I don't remember anything about it. The only reason I remember the Brett Barbary one is just because he had to make a, just a, just a, Amazing. It's throw. happened to me a couple An of times. Throw. A couple of times in minor leagues where a guy in the outfield makes a really good catch and there's a couple of runners on and they don't know what to do with themselves. Have you the hit runner, into a triple play? Absolutely not. I usually hit the ball fence, Jeff. They they would run all over the place like the chicken <laughs> with their head cut off because they don't know how to run the bases. When in doubt, just don't move. Stand <laughs> That's on top. actually it is stand amazing. Stand on top of the base. It's amazing how much that I don't need a third base coach yeah. to tell me to stand on top of the base. Just don't move, but it never happens that way. Like nope. you just freak out and they have no idea what you're doing. And so I have been a part of a couple of them because of that. That hasn't been any odd, like yeah. you know, it goes off a pitcher's head or something, and the shortstop catches it and throws it to first, and then you get the guy to run. Like it never happens that way. But yeah, it's just I don't know if that's one of those plays like where you're sitting at the edge of your seat and you're like, oh, what? Where was you on this day? Like, yeah. no, it's and uh, it's the Twinkies. <laughs> like, it's the second one this year. I know. Is that the best thing's going to happen to him all year? Could very well be. You know what happened to their best player, right? It could very well be. He's, he's got he's, a little Springer in him. He's got. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I don't want to state the obvious here, and Iron I don't Bucks. say that, I don't say that in a bad way. No. But, but, yeah, he's – he's. I should, you know, as many conversations as we've had with this, when, when you're a guy that gets paid a little bit of money, you should know how to keep yourself on the field. It's I, your job to do that. It's not the organization's I'll let job you say that. to load management. It's not. I'll let I'm you sorry, say that. Not. Okay, I'll let you. I, you're, I, tried, as, I as played, former, and, yeah, I, and I, I, take, I take great pride in what I did. I didn't do a ton when I was a player, but I played 16 years, and I never missed a game because I was hurt. Now, I know I played first. But I ran all over the bases. And I was a good base runner. I knew how to cut angles and go second to home and first to third and first to home. I knew how to do all that. And I never missed a game because I was hurt. You know why? Because I knew how to play and get ready to play. And I played a lot. All right. I, yeah, I played how many games in winter ball? Every year. So I was. you take the 130 that I was playing in the regular season and then add another 60 to it in the offseason. And I never got hurt in winter ball. So, yeah, I, I'm – I'm in that camp that right. it is right. your job and not the organization's job, not the GM's job to invent ways to cold tubbing it and hot tubbing it, and then we're going to run you out there two days in a row, and we're going to give you that. De- it's not their job to do that. It's the player's job. 
So they, the organization can't do everything. You can say that because you're a former player. I'm not comfortable sitting on the couch and asking, how come this dude doesn't play every day? I'm not. And I also... I, so, I, I, so who do you blame? For, who do you blame for? Is it the Twins or is it the player? Is it Buxton or is it the Twins' fault that Buxton's not playing? For me, it's the player. I, I just think there's some... I think some guys... Look at the Blue Jays. How many games, how many days off did George Springer get because they thought that was what was best to get him ready for September and October when he matters the most, and he still hurt? Yeah. I'm not saying that he, we don't want him to play hard and be George Springer because he's a great player. But occasionally, I think a lot of sort it sort of up to the player to figure I, out ways to dive and, and not dive. I think a lot and, of it, I think a lot of it has to do with the physiology. I think a lot of it has to do with the way the guys the guy's built. I will say this. Um, I've, I've said it since he got here. I don't like him playing center field. I think he should be in right field. I'm just looking at how do I maximize, how do I, how do I increase my chances of getting close to 162 games out of him or even 145? Yeah. How do I, what can I do to get you Closer to 145. And, and if know, I can save you a little bit from having to dive and, and run, then I'm going to save you, know, you from diving and running. Well, you know, fans could say that he's missed three games and he pitched it in the seventh inning with one game because he fouled a ball off his knee. Well, it hadn't have anything to do with him playing in the outfield. But I got to tell you that we don't – this gets this gets back to something. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what what's hurting. I just know that he ain't playing. No, but, but I'm saying we don't know if – he the injury that he has we don't know if it's aggravated playing in the outfield they're telling us it's an elbow we just don't know like you don't and 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 they're not obligated to tell us that. no we won't know the problem with george springer until two weeks after the regular season and we find out that he's undergone an operation just, for a sport i just think like every just time i just think every time somebody shows up in spring training the first thing you say to a player and, and that player says to you, I'm in the best shape of my career. Well, why did they go in the offseason and get in the best shape of you know their what? career? To keep themselves has, on the field. Has George Springer ever told you he's in the best shape of his career? Because I've never asked him that. Because look at him. Anyhow. That, that, that's. It is I, what I think, it is. I, what it so, is. I know that, but I think Jesus, sometimes. This is going to be a long. If we're going to be talking about this for six years. Like, just get used so you don't to it. Th- you, so you don't think we're not going to be talking about this for six no, years? No, of course. we. That's going to drive me nuts. It's uh, There's the, I, there's nothing in this guy. It, this shouldn't surprise anybody is what I'm saying. Look at the guy's track record. It amazes me no. how people think that, oh, he signed no. a seven-year contract, no. so all of a sudden he's going to play 162 I, games. I'm going to take up for those people because I'm one of those people. No, I see how on. good their team is with him on the field. Come on. That's what people, that's what fans <sighs> of the Jays want. Come on. If you play, look how good the Blue Jays can be and maybe he, how far they can go in the playoffs. You that's were, what you that's were the, the thing. one. You were the one who was saying early that you're not getting 162 out of this guy. I mean, you're just not. And, yeah, it would be great if you could, but you're not. So, I mean, if you want to pound your head against the wall, go ahead. Keep mm. pounding your head against the wall that George Springer's not playing every day. 162 is stiff, but you'd like to see anyhow it's consistency. Just, yeah, you're right. George Springer should play every day. I agree with you. That I agree with everybody out there. Everybody out there, I'm agreeing with you. George Springer should play 162 games a year. He's not going to, but if it makes you all happy, I agree with you. Anyhow, let's move on. It's just, it's, 
it's, again, it's one of those things you just waste your time worrying about it. I was sitting in my car. Well, I was sitting in an Uber on my way to, to work. Uber. I was because I had I didn't have a choice. I don't like taking Uber, but I did. I was in the and I was Take thinking to myself, how what's the easiest way I Take can get a cab? What's the easiest the gig way? Gig economy's can, killing people. Take a cab. What's the easiest way I can get Jeff fired up? No, it's, there's there's a number of buttons that's you can push, but no, it, that's it. it. Just I don't like. I'm just tired of the the dialogue around George Springer. Check the lineup card. If he's not in the lineup card, he's not playing. Now, if you want to have an argument about how the guy isn't <laughs> the guy isn't healthy enough to play six innings, but all of a sudden the seventh inning, it's like he took a trip to Lourdes, and I'm not talking Gurriel Jr. He's taking a trip to Lourdes, and all of a sudden he's healthy. He can go out and hit. I mean, that's we can talk about that, I guess. But don't did he pinch run? I don't. Did know. he run when he got a single? No, center? he didn't. As a matter of fact, they put a pinch runner in for him. But at second base, they put a pinch runner in second base, uh. I believe. I was just happy he got a hit. I wasn't paying attention to it. Let's take a break. Ryan Dempster is host of Off the Mound. He's a marquee sports analyst. He's a 2013 World Series champion. One of our favorites. He's one of our favorites. He also has given up more home runs to Albert well, Pujols than any other that. pitcher. No, they're bringing it up. But you have to bring it up. You have to bring it up. <laughs> Ryan Dempster joins us next. It's Blair and Barker. The George Springer Appreciation Be Society. Nice. Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts, 162 days a year. More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pitch tonight from Fenway Park. Ross Stripling against Josh Wink. 7 What did I say? 707. You know what? Tune into the station at 7 o'clock. Three, three, you're, you're three minutes off. I'll Listen to the next three games are at 17. Yeah, but you should leave the station on all day, anyhow. But tune in at 7 o'clock. And well, what, if you're, what if you're raring and ready to go at 7.07 and then you have to wait three more minutes? Well, then Ben, ben Wagner will. you your food and it's cold or something. Then and Ben Wagner will entertain you. Now they're going to yell at Jeff Blair. Ben for Wagner will entertain Tune into the station at 7 o'clock tonight. There will be baseball sometime after 7. Like 7.07 or 7.10 or 7.09 or 7.08 or 7.03 or whatever it is. Or you could just say 7.10. We'll see you there. First of three between the Red Sox and the Jays. Look, I got I, I got apologized to Ryan Dempster before we, uh, well, you bring him on air. He's host of Off the Mound, marquee sports analyst. Ryan, I, I'm I'm going to apologize in advance. Thanks for joining us. Uh, when I when I when we set up the schedule and wanted to have you on, I didn't think that Albert Pujols was going to hit a 693rd home run, and I didn't think that we were going to as we're sitting around the office, say, just out of interest, say, who the hell do you think gave up the most home runs to Albert Pools? And I was going to, what, you know, Randy Johnson probably, maybe Randy Johnson, That'd lefty against guess. righty. And, sure. Um, so, and then we found out you you uh, gave up the mo- eight, eight home runs to, to Albert Pujols, um, which is not embarrassing, but it does make you the perfect person to ask, in, in some ways, how do you get him out? Well, if you're going to ask me, apparently, I don't know. Well, I would think you um, do now. No, I would think you do now because now in, in retrospect, you saw what worked and what, and, and maybe you would have pitched differently. 
Yeah, I mean, I owned Albert for a while. You know, I think for a stretch there, he was only hitting about 300 off me. So, <laughs> yeah. um, the the reality was, is you know, yeah, retrospect, what 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 you know, what all that entails. Eight eight home runs given up to him. Some of those were, um, you know, when we were winning by a lot, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to put anybody on. Some of those were in close ball games, and he made it. You know, he made it a tie game. I, I remember those. The thing about him was just he was he was just so good. I faced Albert in his prime years, right. probably as much or more than anybody, and he was just he was a great chess player. Physically, he was as in tune with his swing as anybody, and his knowledge of the strike zone was as good as Tony Gwynn or Barry Bonds or whoever you want to put it. So when you combine those three things, that's why he went on that run that he went on and why he was so effective and so good. He was just he was just a really fun competition to have. And if you made a mistake, you got hurt. And if you executed your pitch, he was still capable of lining a, drive, a, a base hit the other way, a line drive the other way for a base hit, or fighting off a really tough pitch. He just he was he was the best hitter I faced um, during my time in the big leagues. You know, over that period of time. Yeah, and and, and Barker made the point when we were talking about it at the, the top of the show as well that he's a right-handed hitter, and you know, for considering the number of times he was going to see a right-handed pitcher, that's an awful lot of sliders. That's an awful lot of that's Crazy. that's a lot of nasty nasty stuff that almost makes what he's done even a little more impressive doesn't it not taking anything away from bonds obviously or any left-handed hitter but the fact that a right-handed hitter could put those numbers up is is pretty remarkable yeah well because exactly right i mean the amount of lefties that face lefty you know it's so small compared to how much a righty has to face righties and so you know for for him to be able to put those numbers up against tough right-handed starters, closers, you know, we all know what he did off Brad Lidge, all yeah. these different things. He, he, he was just so good at it. And he didn't, when he made, when you made a mistake, you know, he didn't miss the mistake he was looking for. Um, he was smart. He knew that if you, if it was later in the game, very rarely were guys going to go inside on him because if they missed and it didn't finish inside, it was a home run. And so he looked out over the plate um, he would set you up, you know, he would sit on breaking balls. You couldn't double up on pitches. You know, um, I learned that actually tripling up was the best thing to do because he never expected you to throw three of the same pitches in a row. Hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of different variables that went into facing him and the amount of work that he put in, you know, you watch guys nowadays sometimes hit and I don't know what it's like to be a good hitter, but I do know what it's like to face guys and put in scouting reports. And some guys are very uh, vanilla. It's the same swing all the time. Hopefully the ball falls into that swing path, and then I hit a home run, right? Like work on launch angle. Then you got premier hitters who adjust. Then you got guys who are Hall of Famers who not only adjust their swing to the count, they know in a certain situation the only way I'm getting anything with leverage off this guy is if it's a hanging breaking ball because he's just going to throw me nothing but sliders, so I'm going to look the other way. And that's what Albert did. He took what you gave him, and he worked with that. And then other times – and then if you made a mistake, he took big advantage of that. And he was just smarter. He was more prepared. Um, he was as good as it got. And, and then now, right now, I, I was joking with somebody at the field yesterday. He's that Toby Keith song. I don't know what it's called, but – where he says, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I've ever been. <laughs> if, 
He's he's doing it right now, fellas. He's raking, man. It's fun to watch. That that is pretty cool. It'll be interesting to see too. What if he finishes with six ninety eight? You know how how will his teammates handle that? And will he be a little pressured to come back and maybe try and hit those last couple? Because you know the, the, hitting seven hundred, I would assume, is a lot different than hitting five hundred, hitting six hundred. I mean, there's only been three other people to do it, so. That'll be an interesting thing to look at down the stretch, too. Uh, let's move on a little bit. I, I want to wonder, because you've been on some good teams down the stretch, and, and the Blue Jays here have 42 games left. But the next 12 games are against bad t- – bad's a strong word. But teams that they probably should win most of those games, like Boston and the Angels and the Cubs and Pittsburgh. When you were on good teams down the stretch, Dip, did you ever look at the schedule and go, whoa, Here's a little bit of a break for us to add some separation to the teams around us. Yeah, and well, and and, and also have made the mistake too of you know like I remember 2007 our our Cubs team was really good. We were playing great, and we needed to win one game to clinch, and we lost the game before we go down the road trip to Florida. Then we get swept by the Marlins, and it's like we just started like assuming we were going to win a little bit, and then. And, and you can get into that pattern, too, and you, you start to look at the schedule and think you got it made and understand all of these guys, these crappy teams that, you know, or these teams that aren't as good, mm-hmm. um, they they are going home. So they want other people to go home. They want to ruin some people's seasons. And as much as they want to do that, for whatever reason, in September, it works out that way. And you see it every year, these Teams will go in and play the Pirates in last place, and the Pirates will win three or four because they don't have nothing else to play for, and it gets them up. And so you better be ready and, and never look past today, man. Just just who can we, what can we do today? And then that's how you get on those rolls where you start beating teams, and that's where you beat the teams you're supposed to beat because you have more talent, you execute more, you got better pitching. So then those are the teams you've got to beat. But don't start looking too far ahead. And um, you know, like you said, they're playing the Red Sox, but I mean the Red Sox are they not as good? Sure. They only have five less losses than the Blue Jays, so it's not like they're some yeah. terrible team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, and the Angels, you run into Otani and the Trout Show, and who knows what you just got to play today um, and, and worry about that. Don't look too far ahead. You start looking too far ahead, and all of a sudden you're like, what happened in September? What, what, what went wrong? And you just worry about focusing on today's game. I've, I've heard you talk about mechanics when it comes to pitching, and I want to ask you about Jose Barrios, but I want to ask you doing it at different fields. Like, he changed – Hand movement. I don't know if you remember Brios. Uh, his hands would follow his windup. Like whenever it went, like he had a lot of downward movement. His movement would go up. He would break the ball from the glove. Like there was a lot of hand movement. It was hard to repeat it, get it out in front, and obviously have it go where you want it to go. Now he's very stationary with his with his hands. But he started doing that in Yankee Stadium with the short porch and right. His next start will be with in Fenway Park with the short porch and left. Is that a – now, I may be way overthinking this, but if you're thinking about how you're – you know, you want to pitch to both sides of the plate and you're trying to refine your mechanics, the new mechanics, is that a hard mental hurdle to overcome because of the different fields that you do it in? That's my question. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And, and I think, you know, that because that's not what you want to be doing is focusing on mechanics. Sure. But I like what he's doing because he's simplifying Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do things to our delivery or our mechanics where we add something or we're doing something that's a little bit more work. And and doing that during the season and against good teams and in those ballparks can be tough. Um, but when you're doing something that simplifies things, and then he does that, right, and he reinforces it with 
you know, a strong outing, giving up just one run, punching out nine against that. Cool. I mean, I know you're running into the Yankees. They're not playing as well as they've been playing, so there's that factor too. But, like, that gives you the positive reinforcement that what I just did helps. And and I like what you said, repeating. Yep. The best thing we can do as pitchers is repeat our delivery because the arm gets in the same slot. Now when we're tunneling pitches, they look the same to the hitter. There's a lot of factors. So when you're repeating that through simplification, it just it promotes good results. And he got that. And so now you build off that. Um, and, and sometimes that wall behind you there in, in, in Fenway is a little intimidating. But at the same time, look at it as like, it's a little bit of protection, you know, like I'm going to give up some doubles that turn into singles. I'm going to give up some homers that turn into doubles. Like it's a little bit of a protection out there and just do what you did and build off of that. And, and repeating the delivery is just so key. Mm-hmm. Ryan, one of the, one of the questions I, I, I wanted to ask you is about Wilson Contreras and the Cubs. Now, of course the Cubs didn't move him at the deadline. They played a little better since the deadline. Do you think there's a chance that maybe I understand he had, you know, the tearful goodbye and, and, and all that. Is there a chance he comes back there next year that he takes a look at what's going on and goes, you know, uh, I kind of like this. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, that that door is always a possibility, right? Because once you go out there and you go out and see what's available and who wants you and for how much, and then you had a way, well, hold on. Okay. Let me go back to the Cubs and are the Cubs interested and what are they, what is their plan going forward? Where's the money that they want to spend? And there's, there's multiple different factors, but I think, you know, staying, finishing strong, and then you just kind of see where those chips lie. And, you know, it was an emotional time for Wilson. He's a very emotional guy. He wears them on his sleeve, whether those are, you know, happy, mad, sad, whatever they are, he, he wears that. And um, he's been there a long time. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, things change, right? You can't get a free agent pitcher that you want. And so now you have money to spend in other areas. And it's like, oh, we got money to resign, resign Wilson especially with the DH and the way he's been able to do that. But um, whoever gets him, I think, is going to get a guy that um, has has grown a lot. When Wilson first came up, he was antsy behind the dish. He was, you know, he was a lot of high energy, and now he's learned to control that, managing a pitching staff. He's matured as a human being. He's, you know, he's progressed, and, um, and the guy rakes, and he's tough, and he's experienced. So whoever ends up getting him is going to get a really, really good ball player with elite skills, and, um, and maybe that's back here in Chicago. Yeah, but I know what you think, but I think in the wild card race in the American League, the three teams that are in it right now are the three teams that I think are going to be in the playoffs, the, the Rays, Toronto, and Seattle. But I want to ask you, out of those three teams, which one of those three do you think needs to have the first wild card to move on, meaning they have to have home field advantage for them to succeed and move on to the next round. Yeah, I, I mean, just because I I know what that place is like when it's full. If the Blue Jays get home field advantage, it's yeah. to me better. Like Tampa Bay, great home field advantage. I'm sorry that that stadium sucks and they <laughs> they don't get any fans. Yeah. You know, just being honest, I'm yeah. not. That's just the reality, right? Mm-hmm. And like. Seattle, Seattle would be good. They they probably could really use that even just from a travel standpoint, starting those games, being at home, being there. You know that's going to be a packed house. But there's there is I I'd, I'd be hard pressed. I'm look I'll look right now, but I don't find too many places in the league that are louder and better for a home team than than Toronto when when they got that place packed. There's nothing like it, man. It's it's loud and that plays right into the hands of the home ball club. Do you think now? We can stick a fork in the White Sox and forget about them. Their season's over. I don't like to put a fork in anybody. Yeah. But, like, there's this constant, well, 
well, now it's going to happen, right? Here we go. Okay, now it's going to happen. Okay, but it just doesn't keep happening. So, like, at some point you have to be like, now they lose Michael Kopech to injury, you know, Tim Anderson down with it. You just start losing guys instead of adding guys. That starts to get really hard down the stretch, and there's just something missing there. I don't know what it is. Go ahead, White Sox, prove me wrong, but, like, there's just something there that's not there. I don't know if it's a sense of urgency or what, like sense of confidence, but they're just they're they're underachieving for the talent they have on their roster. They're not performing the way they should. So I don't know about a fork, but uh, you know you keep checking that thermometer, that meat thermometer, and <laughs> that stuff's getting over down here pretty quick. Ryan, we're gonna let you scoot. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank Take you. Hey, always great to be with you guys, man. Be Thank well. you so much. All righty, Ryan Dempster's host of Off the Mound. And also Marquee Sports Analyst, and he's the 2013 World Series champion. It's the best. It's it's funny, whenever he was coming on, and I was thinking about Jose Barrios, and I was thinking about the short porch and right, now the short porch and left. If it's, it's, I I know he's been around long enough that that should not bother him. But you would think mechanics are probably geared up for one side of the plate. And now would that change because the, the, the way the field is, I'm sure that's way overthinking it, but I, I know because I played in Fenway Park before, I've never played in the new Yankee Stadium. I do know that that short porch and left feels like it's right on top of you. And I can fit, even as hitting in that park, you let the ball travel. You see, you see Yankees hitters inside out and trying to fillet mm-hmm. balls to right field. Whoever says that that's not home field advantage for the Yankees is not watching the Yankees play every single day. They're right-handed hitters. You can, I've BJ always LeMayhew is trying to fillet it and yeah. hit it with a little bit of a flair to the right field line. So I just think it's going to be interesting to see Barrios. If he gives up a line drive to a right-handed hitter off of that wall, what's that do to him? See, I've, I've always thought that when you talk to hitters, they talk about needing to be aware of the green monster and not letting it affect your swing. So if hitters are thinking no that question. way, pitchers have to no be thinking question. that way and as well, you, right? I would, have, I would think. I mean, you I, would I think so. I know he's a smart guy, and that move should not be that hard, but he's done something his whole career, and now he's simplifying it. But I he's mean, done that. I went back and looked. He has done that before. He, he has made that adjustment has, before. But it's a which bigger, asks the question, why a, do you go away from it's it? It's a bigger sample size. Because it wasn't working, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. I'm sure that's why. And he's tr- tried to go back and forth. I'm sure it's moody. I mean, one time it's really good, the next time it's not. It's just a lot of movement. And to be able to get it out front all the time and have the break that he wants and have the location and the and the coming off the fingers the way he wants it to come off of, I don't know. It just That'll be an interesting thing to watch to see how he handles if he does give up a hit or two you off made, that green monster and figure it out. You made it. It was hearing you talk about Aaron Judge – before we came in today, we were watching the MLB Network, and Mark DeRosa was on talking about, uh, or hearing you talk about the home field advantage. He he talked about Aaron Judge. Now, Aaron Judge got a home run yesterday, and his point was, and I think it's the first one in eight games, nine games, but his point was he broke down Aaron Judge's swings, and it is remarkable how Aaron Judge uses that short porch and right to get him going. No it's question. like it helps him. And that doesn't mean he's always going to hit the ball over there. He may pull the ball. But the idea is by using, you can, and DeRosa did a much better job explaining it than I am. But what he was saying is you can see him, when he's scuffling a bit, try to get himself right by using that 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 very short wall and right. And then once he's comfortable there, 
Everything else falls now he into does, place. Now, he does have an inside-out swing. So, it help, he's so right, it's out, natural, right, right out the gate. It is a little bit. But he does, whenever he's struggling a little bit and he wants to go over there and he wants to create loft with his swing, he does get a little 60-40. means the weight's more on his backside than it is on his front side to where he can get more loft and catch that thing a little bit more under it. Because he knows he doesn't have to hit as hard. He knows right. he's so strong. He has so much leverage. It's a way of getting you to feel half. good, right? No question. Well, success. Yeah. I got a hit. I got a homer. Now we roll. Now yeah. I got the mindset. It's I'm not 0 for 2. I'm not 0 for 3. I'm 1 for 2 with a homer. I can build off that. It's all about confidence and how you go about it. And to say that that's not home field advantage for the Yankees, no, it, it, it's, it's nonsense. If you think that, you don't watch the Yankees play because as much as I watch them, you can tell. Even guys that don't hit homers. I think it's. I, I think ben it's. Intendi looks to me like he's trying to pull more baseballs. Yeah, I because think it's of a that big, short port. I think it's a. I, I think it's a big advantage beyond the crowd and thing like the. the you know, players. The, the Yankee Stadium crowd, I don't think, is intimidating as it used to be. You know, Dempster makes a good point. You go to games in Toronto, that crowd's intimidating. I, I don't think. I wonder if Seattle's home field advantage. Eh, Not sure. I, I don't know, but I think the yeah. Yankees' home field advantage is that short porch. I do too. No question. That short if you're an course. opposing pitcher, you come in there, you try and stay away from it. I mean, if I'm Aaron Judge, too, and I'm looking at a long-term contract, and I'm, what am I, 27, 20? I'm kind of thinking, you know, if I sign long-term in New York, I got that. It's almost like I can, that that, that short porch and right is, is almost like a life preserver for me. Things aren't going well. I can just aim and put one over there, and there you go. Now I got a home run. And as you said, now all of a sudden I'm one for three instead of 0 for three. I'm one for three with a home run. I'm feeling good about myself. Maybe I can go back there again the next pitch That's as it. well. That's it. Um, it. It's it's certainly something that I would think he would have to think about as he approaches free agency. Tom Karen is Red Sox reporter with Nesson. He's host of the TC and company podcast he'll join us next brad lidge as well it's blair and barker on sportsnet 590 the fan 360 the radio network and wherever you get your favorite podcast